Baldy, as we talk about the the draft, I got to bring this up, and I want to get your opinions on it. So the Falcons at eight, they take a running back. We hadn't seen this since Saquon Barkley was taken in eighteen. We hadn't seen two running backs taken this high with Jameer Gibbs and 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 uh, obviously Bijan Robinson since I think it was seventeen draft maybe. Uh, when you go back and you had two guys in the top fifteen, so there's a lot of conversation about Jalen Carter being on the board when the uh, Atlanta Falcons pick their 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 guy. And part of that is that Jalen Carter played at the University of Georgia. A lot of University of Georgia players end up ended up in Philly. And now, you know, the jokes are out there and the memes are out there about Howie Roseman picking all these Georgia guys. And, and it's simple, right? They won two national championships. They got great players. Mm-hmm. But for the Falcons, I think, okay, and from what I know and from what I've heard and from the people I've talked to, their convictions about Bijan Robinson fitting their culture and also the bigger thing, and this is the bigger thing, and I want to put this out there. Part of Arthur Smith's plan, and we'll see it work if it works, is to have these guys, Baldy, that are positionless, meaning I can put Bijan in the slot, I can put him at a wide receiver, I can put Pitts if I wanted to in the backfield, I can put him at tight end, I can put him out wide, I can use Drake London. You've got three dynamic guys that you can do a bunch of stuff with. And I think Arthur Smith, for the last three years, their plan was, listen, forget about we need a guard, which they addressed, or we need a defensive tackle. I'm going to go get these playmakers because I understand how I can potentially use them. And Baldy, you've got to score points in this league. You've got to be able to put the ball in the end zone. So it's something that's plagued the team since Arthur Smith took over. And so they, they take Bijan. And, and there's just a lot of fuss about this. And then the other side of it is, we have since found out that Jalen Carter, there were teams that weren't sold on him, right? Howie Roseman can take a chance on Jalen Carter. One, his team is good. Two, they won a Super Bowl in 17. They were just there last year. He's got tenure, Baldy. If this doesn't work, it doesn't hurt Howie Roseman as much as it would have hurt Terry Fontenot to take a guy like this as early and say, oh, he's not as good or we're not, he's not panning out to be what we expected. I think that was a lot into the thinking of why they drafted Bijan Robinson. Well, character is important. It's probably as important as anybody's talent. And so, you know, Seattle had a need for Jalen Carter at five. They passed. Detroit had a need for Jalen Carter and passed. The Las Vegas Raiders had a a need for Jalen Carter badly and passed. The Atlanta Falcons, even though they addressed – the interior of their defensive front with in free agency, they had a need and they yep. passed. So that's four teams that all had a need for arguably what people said. Now, whether he's overrated or not, a lot of people that are highly thought of in this business said he was the best player in the draft, the most talented, and he might be. But four straight teams in a row, including Atlanta, passed before Philadelphia traded, you know, with the ninth spot to go draft him with Chicago. So that's that. And then to your point, look, the Golden State Warriors keep winning championships. We'll see if they win another one. Um, By playing positionless basketball, like anybody can handle the ball. Anybody can bring the ball up to court. Yes, there's always Steph. But, you know, for a long time, it was it's positionless. They sort of redefine how you play the NBA. And nobody scores more points than the Golden State Warriors. And that's kind of what you got to do. And when you study Bijan, he is an incredible route runner. He can run routes like your slot receivers. And so you can play 
Bijan and Cordero. You could play. There's so many combinations. And then those combinations will dictate what personnel the defense puts on the field. And so you could legitimately put, you know, Pitts and Drake London at the end of the line of scrimmage with Bijan and Cordero Patterson, like in any combination. And how are you going to defend that? And who are you defending it with? So that's that. And then they went and got Matt Bergeron, who was a really dynamic, I mean, really good, solid football player. I, I posted some stuff about him. His coaches got me going, Baldy, you have no idea the work ethic of this kid. Mm. This kid is, is born to play 10 or 12 years in the NFL. And I don't know Matt. I just posted some things about him. I got coaches, for, you know, like just letting me know, like what you're saying about this guy, there's going to be the left guard. He's their left guard. They got better up front. Yep. Like they're gonna they're gonna have a good wall, and they're gonna have a lot of talent, and they're gonna score a lot of points. Now we'll see what the quarterback is like. Um, you know that's always the you know the stir, but I think culture is really important. I think coming to the locker room, going to work, um, staying in the staying late Friday nights. This is what we're doing. Like Saturday, we're on the road. We're gonna act like you know adults. Like just. That stuff is important, Carl. You win and lose games with your culture. And I feel like Bijan, he wants to be great. He's got a chance to be great. I, I think Atlanta made the right move. I do too. Uh, and, and I'm not being short-sighted or, you know, having blinders on. Uh, I talked about this for probably a month and a half. And as I said to you last week, people thought I was crazy. And then they actually do it. And, and trying to put the reasoning behind it is the hard part, right? Because people go, well, oh, who does this? <laughs> But they're not thinking about the big picture. Well, I mean, if you think about this, Carl, because I asked this to LaDainian Thomas and some people last week. I said, if you had to redraft whenever Derrick Henry came out, he was a second-round pick at Alabama, wouldn't you take Derrick Henry? Yes. After what he's just done over five years in this league or six years, whatever it is? Like, rushing leader, foundation of the team, perennial playoff team. For I mean, Derrick Henry has been a first-round draft pick. They drafted him in the second round. But if you redrafted Nick Chubb, you draft him in the first round. Yes. Like, you know, so you can say, like, maybe Bijan flames out after five years, but who cares? Like, like there's no guarantees on any of these guys, any predictions. So, I don't know. Like, I, I, I felt like that was – after I watched his receiving skills, he didn't drop a single ball at Texas last year. Like, after I watched his receiving skills, I'm like, there's so many things you could do with this guy. And you're going to score more points because Bijan's in your lineup, then you are going to save points because Jalen's in your lineup. And Jalen in a rotation with a bunch of pretty good players up front for Atlanta. They made the right choice. I talked to the kid on Friday. Uh, and, you know, I said this to you, and I'll share this with our with our audience. He's a great young man. Like, mm -hmm. has the foundation. Comes from a great family. The background yeah. is like his grandfather played in the league. I mean, his grandpa was a, you know, and then his, I think his, he was a referee in the Pac-12. I mean, mm. he's got this lineage. His yeah. uncle played, but just a solid foundation, man. And I think that is important when you come into the league, Baldy, and I hand you a big fat check and you talk about all those things you've got to be able to handle. Um, I do think it's important. Baldy, let's talk about our man Aaron Rodgers. I saw him at the Rangers game. They put him on the big screen over the weekend. Him and Alan Lazard are having a good time. And I'm like, man, this dude is embracing New York, New York. All right. With that said, 
What do we know right now? Is he in these meetings? Is he in New York? What's going on with Aaron Rodgers? Was that just for show for the fans? Or what's the deal with Aaron right now since he's been introduced as a New York football Jet? Well, I spent the day with the Jets on Friday. He was there on Thursday. <clears throat> he stayed. I mean, he's there. And, you know, like, look, there's Green Bay has a lot of benefits to playing. There's a great organization. It's a great uh, – it's Titletown, USA. But the New York Knicks aren't playing a playoff game in, you know, Green Bay's backyard. Like, Aaron's a culture guy. Um, you know, like, there's New York City right there. You know, I don't know where he's going to live. He's going to live in Hoboken like Eli Manning did. But, like, he's, there's a lot to take advantage of. And he's a sports fan. So, there he is at a Knicks game. And he's not there – like, he's there to, to cheer the Knicks on. Like, he's behind the New York teams. He'll, the Rangers. I mean, you name it. Like, he's going to get into it. And, you know, there's going to be – he's going to be seen at certain restaurants. And there's going to be, you know, uh, Broadway. I mean, he's going to take advantage of this. And I don't believe this is a one-year thing. I think this is – a multiple year. I think this is at least two years for him, provided he's playing well. Sure. I think it's going to rejuvenate him. There's certainly the uh, let me show you what I can still do thing to it, which is always exists when players are no longer seem to be wanted by the other team. And you can make fun of being in the darkness and all the other things that Aaron has done in the off seasons. Yeah. I think he's all in. I think there's a core Brees Hall, you know, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, uh, Joe Douglas, the general manager, seeing Nathaniel Hackett there, seeing the energy of Robert Sauce. I just think there's a newness that he's enjoying. And just my time there on Friday up there, like, it's authentic. You know, just, you know, he's already like, they asked him to sit down and and do this thing. And I did this thing. And you know, and, and they, they want me to come up and do this thing with Aaron and Nathaniel Hackett. I'm like, I'm all in. Like, he wants to do it. Like, so I'm like, is he doing it? Like, is, is he enjoying it? He goes, oh, he's put a mic on me. It's fine. Like, I know what to do. Like, like follow, follow him around the building with a camera. Put, put a mic on it. You know, like, let's do it. Woody's walking with them to the building and he's getting, the, you know, the tour. And he's like, let's do it. Come on. I I, I know how to do this. Like, he's, this is going to, this is going to be, this could be a good and look, the schedule comes out. I forget which day right now, Carl, like May 12th or 13th. Yes. Like yeah. That. Right. The, I'm hearing, Carl, it could be Jets Giants Monday Ooh. night opening up the season. Ooh. You know what I mean? Like it's like they're going to track national TV. The schedule's crazy. Dallas, Kansas City, Philly. I mean, it's big. But there's Aaron Rodgers in the middle of it. You know that, you know how this the NFL is, you know, like what Showtime is all about. They they don't have to go looking for storylines. It's staring right there at them. And so this deal was important to get done before the schedule came out because the Jets had one national TV game last year against Jacksonville on Thursday night. It was disaster. It was. Like Aaron will be featured with that team quite a bit. Nathaniel Hackett, tell me, I heard Aaron say he, you know, we, we talked about this in the offseason. We didn't know, I shouldn't say the offseason, probably what, January, February maybe, um, where we thought Nathaniel Hackett would have a major role in helping get Aaron to New York, right? He was in Denver. He gets fired. Salah hires him as the OC. Can you talk about their relationship? I mean, because I know they were together in Green Bay, but a lot of people, Baldy, let's just be honest, they don't give Nathaniel Hackett the credit in Green Bay because he had 
a pretty good offensive mind as a head coach. And people just think, well, he was a dude that was there. Now these guys are, they're back together like this, right? I'm just curious. Like I heard Aaron say one of the reasons why he did, he made this decision was Nathaniel Hackett. He likes him. He likes him. He trusts him. I, I sat down at a quarterback collective camp for high school, you know, kids and quarterbacks a couple of years ago in Indianapolis. And uh, I sat down with Nathaniel. He was coaching at the clinic. He's a great teacher, really good teacher. Um, and very outgoing, very um, gregarious. And we sat down and we literally watched a playoff game, the whole game. And, he, you know, he'd start from the play to the formation, to what Aaron saw, to the checks, to the audibles, to the, the design of the – I mean, went through the whole thing. Like just – I don't know if people just realize, you know, how – intricate yes all this stuff is yeah we, we we want to dumb it down and simplify it which is fine but there is so many details to almost any given play and i don't know that anybody can articulate it better than aaron but when they're putting game plans together and they're looking at defenses and they're looking at weaknesses and how to attack them and down distance situations um you need a guy that you can literally talk this through the head coach, Matt LaFleur, certainly is a big part of it. I'm not going to um, say that Matt's not a huge part of it, but he's got he's the head coach. He's got a lot of other responsibilities. I mean, Aaron's like trying to put this game plan together and is like, you know, this formation is going to give this team a lot of problems. And so you you talk these, you talk the game plan out. And I think that's a big part of Aaron is the details and knowing that he's got a like-minded guy to talk it out with them. It's really important, you know, in, in, in the game plan, you know, you get this rough cut on Tuesday, you know, and every quarterback is involved on Tuesday, even though it might be the day off. And then Wednesday, you, you know, you're, you're going through the first walkthrough and the meetings and you're laying out the, the blueprint to win this game on Sunday. And the game plan, you, you OK, there's the red zone. There's the two minute like and you're just adding and here's our goal line situation. And it, it changes every week. And you need a guy that you can really, okay, like when I'm looking at this here, you know, Nate, like this is what I'm seeing, right? This is what, I, what we're doing. Yeah, this is, we're, we're going to have this motion, blah, blah. And, and so I really feel like that connection mm. is really airtight. And I know it didn't work out in Denver and he looked like he was over his head, but that doesn't preclude a guy that understands the game and the details of the game and can think the way Aaron thinks. All right, I got to ask you about this. We were talking about the Eagles. Uh, do we give them a high grade based on what we know? Yes, they, they drafted very well. But I think the sneaky trade of DeAndre Swift late in this draft, right, where basically, you know, the Eagles trade for DeAndre Swift. Now, I, I want you to think about the Eagles and how they're already made on offense. And if you don't know DeAndre Swift and you hadn't watched the Lions or you didn't watch the University of Georgia – he is, a, he is a very versatile dynamic back as well. Does a great job of catching the ball out of the backfield. He's shifty, right? Quick twitch, all the stuff we talk about. And he's got breakaway speed. So they go out and, and acquire him. I think it was a fourth rounder, Baldy, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, forget about the draft. Like, to me, that may have been the best move Howie Roseman made. Now, I know he had injury issues his first couple of seasons. But when this dude is right, He's dangerous. And now you're adding him to Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. and Come on now. 
they had point scores. I mean, they just it, literally, it's just point scores. How deep is your bench? So Rashad Penny has averaged six yards a carry in the NFL when he's been healthy. Had a hard time staying healthy. Um, Kenneth Gainwell was their best back in the postseason last year. Miles Sanders is gone. Uh, Boston Scott has a role. He's just a tough, tough kid, utility player that can come off the bench if you need him. If, if he's not active, he's not active. But, you know, when you I, – I can just imagine as soon as Detroit, with the 12th pick, took Jameer Gibbs, I can imagine Howie getting on the phone and talking to Detroit and going, look, what's uh, what's the deal with Swift? You guys – you just drafted a guy? Is he a vet? Yeah. You know what? Gibbs are starting back. Um, you know, we've seen enough of, of Swift. You know, the injuries, you know, can't make, you know, nagging injuries. You know, not 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 like torn ACLs, but just nagging injuries. He's missed, missed a lot of games over the last three years. Missed games at Georgia. Missed time at Georgia. It's, it sort of has traveled with him. But he's a Philadelphia kid. Yeah. He's from Philly. Went to St. Joe's Prep. Won a state championship here at St. Joe's Prep. Like, he's back. Like, I saw him going into Novacare. Got a big old Philadelphia grin on his face. Probably be at the Sixer game, you know, against the Celtics this weekend. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it's he's 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 home, and so it, it's it's kind of a win-win. Like Detroit says, th- second round pick, just 2020. We got our guy. He, he he does exactly what DeAndre does, maybe better, maybe faster. Um, let Philadelphia take him. So yes, he, he he's a point scorer. He comes off the bench. We'll see if he if he stays healthy behind this offense line, um, he'll he'll be very productive. And and I'm curious, you know, as we move forward, Baldy and I will be talking about this uh, these offensive lines, you know, division breakdowns and roster rankings and all this stuff as we start to move forward. But Baldy, you know, I know you look a lot at these offensive lines. Philly's still intact, right? I mean, from the Super Bowl with the decisions that were made. They're coming back intact. I know they lost one of their big time players. They lost, they lost the right guard, Isaac Salamalo. Salamalo, that's right. Agency. They just couldn't, you know, they just couldn't pay to keep him. They wanted to, but he's, you know, he's a three hundred thirty pound uh, mover, unbelievably athletic, really smart. Probably didn't blow an assignment all year, but they drafted Tyler Steen out of Alabama, and Jeff Stoutland, the offensive line coach, came from Alabama. He knows plug that in, program. Is this a plug and play guy? Could be he played left tackle at Alabama. He transferred yeah, yeah. into Alabama, won the left tackle job. Uh, Doug Marone is coaching offensive lines at Alabama. Been an offensive line coach, head coach in the NFL. Um, you know, there's connection. I mean, Stout's talking to, to Marone. You know, sure. Marone's saying, you know, yeah, he can play right guard for you. But, you know, whatever. And, but that's my guess right now is that Tyler Steen will be plugged in at right guard at 335 pounds, mm-hmm. and they get a big old body between – uh, Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson, and they keep maybe the best offensive line going with an Alabama left guard and Alabama right guard, um, you know, and a pro, you know, all pro right tackle and an all pro center. And they just keep this offensive line going. I, that's my guess right now. They drafted Steen uh, in the uh, second round, 65th pick. So, you know, they, they knew they had to address it. And I think that's what they did. Yeah, it's a good point, Baldy. Uh, and see, that's what I was. They're going to be good again. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at. You know, and you pick a guy in the second round. Listen, guys, first round, you shouldn't screw up. Second round, third round guys have to contribute. Most times they're, they're starters. You get to your fourth and fifth and sixth round guys. Hopefully you find, you know, a starter or two there. But, Baldy, the reality is, like, a second round guy is supposed to come in and, and affect your team. 
You know, yeah. he's got to be a guy. Yeah, I think they can plug and play him. You know, it's interesting, though. Um, some teams just do it differently and better than others. The fact is, is that in this offseason now, the Eagles coming off a Super Bowl loss, paid their quarterback. Normally, that's prohibitive of keeping a lot of other players. True. They re- they uh, extended Lane Johnson at right tackle. They brought Jason Kelsey back at a high-dollar figure. They retained both starting corners. And they retained both Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. And they just added this in the draft. So, you know, I, I don't know. The salary cap is, you know, it's a, it's a blurred line, right, Carl? It is. It some is. teams seem to be trapped by it and can't ever get out from underneath it. And then some teams, they just, I don't whether they push it down the road or whatever they do, they had all this to keep Darius Slate, to keep James Bradbury, to bring Cox. Like, they're, they're, they're bringing them all back for basically one more crack at it. So it's it's amazing just the uh, accounting that they do that looks different than a lot of other teams. All right, while we're talking about the Eagles, and listen, there are Cowboy fans watching this and going, you ain't saying nothing about the Cowboys. Yeah. Let's talk about that real quick before we get out of here. They go defensive tackle, first round. They go tight end. Second round, they lost their tight end. Guys, he's with the Texans now, Dalton Schultz. And then they go linebacker. This this was interesting. Defense, offense, defense, defense. That's your first four rounds for the Cowboys. How did you evaluate what they did as we're talking about the Eagles still being loaded? Well, I went on last Tuesday, a week ago, I went and watched uh, every uh, pass rush of Micah Parsons. And he had 13 and a half sacks last year, had a good year, all pro. But I was like, he did it with literally no interior pressure. And it just kept showing up and up. So I texted him. I'm like, dude, like you're doing this. You're winning so frequently and you're not getting home. You, What's going on inside? Like he goes, Baldy, I'm, you know, you know, not to take his words, but I said, you need to draft just a stud defensive tackle. He goes, I know. Like a space taker? Not just that, but a guy can just crush the pocket. Okay. Like, Matthew Smith is a freak of strength and power. Uh, they play a different style at Michigan where they don't just let you tee off. They're two-gapping. They're sitting in a frog stance. They're reading. This guy moves bodies. And if he does what I think he can do, I, I believe Micah Parsons, and it's not about his sack numbers or, you know, winning the sack title or anything like that. It's about – they led the league in takeaways two years in a row. They could do it again because Micah just forces takeaways and turnovers and tip balls and all that kind of stuff. And Mizey's going to help it. Like, I think that was, I don't say they listened to me, but it was a position of need and has been. Mm. And they got their guy that could push the pocket inside. What Javon Hargrave did in Philadelphia, what Chris Jones does in Kansas City, what Aaron Donald does in Los Angeles. There's, there's not that what Jeffrey Simmons does in Tennessee, Tennessee yeah. what they hope Jalen Carter does in Philadelphia, what Quinton Williams does. They need a guy that can win from the inside. And I think if Mazzy does that, Dallas's defense, which is already very good, and, and you add Stephon Gilmore, like they could be a great defense. Yeah. Dan Quinn has got some things he can play with now, and it's going to yeah. be interesting. Guys, we're going to continue to talk about – what these teams look like, division breakdowns. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, um, some of the betting odds uh, as we move forward on Thursday when we come back. I think our buddy Nick Costos is going to join us as we start to look at some of the betting odds for some of these rookies. But the draft is done. 
And now, as they like to say, the hay is in the barn, and we're going to see how these coaches now start to maneuver some of these picks and what they want to do and schematically and all of that stuff. So uh, it's going to be fun. Next big thing for us as the NFL is the schedule release. And I can't wait. We're two weeks away. Baldy, great job as always, man. Thank you guys for joining us in the huddle. Subscribe. All right. Like us. Tell your friends about us. Don't miss an episode. We'll put another one out coming up a little bit later on this week. Tuesdays and Thursdays is usually when we do it. But if something happens and, you know, something else goes on, we'll definitely jump in. Guys, thank you so much. Baldy, have a great day. You guys take care.